0: going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the back and back AFC North champions, Cincinnati Bengals. Now do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I'm up to 2,119 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. So, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, I always ask the same question. Why not? Please do so. Help me out. Go to the YouTube channel, Bengals Talk with Strawberry Ice. I know I, I said sports strawberries, but change it to Bengals Talk with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notification, and every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing super chats. So, if you got something you want to ask John the Brain, Sharon, or me, or you just want to support the show, me super chat i would greatly appreciate it and as always i'm coming to you live from the ice cave and the ice cave is brought to you t properties t properties quality housing for quality people check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs so if you got a a looking for a house looking for a condo apartment if you got a rental property that you just don't want to manage anymore give t properties a shot and they will take care of the rest for you also, you, you know it. I'm wearing the stuff every day, even though I got a, I got a good bear hat on today, but I got the Jackpot Joey hoodie going, flags. We got the beer. Uh, get, you can get the merchandise. Not the beer, but you can get the merchandise, the all that stuff, at jackpotjoey9.com right down there. Remember, portions of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow uh, Foundation, and the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief really Fund. So you're not only getting cool gear, but you're helping some people out. Also, the beer back here is by Brink Brewery. I get it at the Brink Brewery. It's on Hamilton Avenue. Like I said the supplies are very limited right now. Because they're slowing down production. Hopefully, it'll kick back up here, uh, probably about Mar- uh, April, May, somewhere in there. We're hoping to get it back going there. Anyway, I got Bet Fred Sports. If you guys have not signed up for Bet Fred Sports, why not? They're just giving money away, giving you free bets, giving you all kinds of cool stuff on there. Make sure you go check out Bet Fred Sports. Put a bet on an NBA game this weekend. Hell, put a bet on the XFL. Hey, AJ McCarron, Hey, back to back comebacks. For the XFL, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm a football junkie. I'm, you yeah, know, I watch all kinds of football. Anyway, what's up to everybody in the chat? Stranger, you're first. What's going on, Darth Bengal? Greg Grays, pork chops in there, Crip's in there. Like I said, Molly's in there. Give me a shout out for T Properties. Appreciate it. Player M, what's up? Ed? Hey, there, you're new. What's going on? Ken's in there, Crip. Like I said, yep. See John DeBrain. He's like, you year to one that named him John DeBrain. So I got to throw that up there. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Am I done with Reds? No, I'm not done with the Reds. I changed the name to Bengals Talk because 99.9% of the time I'm talking Bengals, so I just figured I change changed the Bengals Talk, make it easier for people to find. I'll still talk Reds. You know, I can talk whatever I want. You know, we got Natty's in there and Tom is in there. What's up to everybody there? All right, let's get to the reason everybody's here, and the reason everybody's here is John the Brain Sheeran. What's going on, John?
1: Look, I definitely support the rebrand, man. Like, the Reds haven't won a playoff series in my lifetime. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you got to do what you got to do.
0: Yeah, I haven't changed the, the graphic up here again on the top of the screen. I got to change that. So, so sports with strawberry ice. It's just I, like, dude, we, I try to talk Reds. Sometimes people, some people. Get, no one wants to hear talk reds. Well, nobody listens. <laughs> like, or nobody watches. I like, and, and I enjoy talking Bengals. So, eh, I can always change it back. But right now, it's Bengals talk with strawberry. Because I, because the. The original name was sports strawberry ice and then people started calling me ice man so then my wife goes sports strawberry ice with the ice man i'm like that's a long freaking <laughs> title to a, a channel so i just shortened Bengals it. It talk with strawberry ice so we'll see how, how that goes anyway so i mean it's not as cool as orange and black insider podcast i mean let's let's be real well
1: that's i well i if you want to talk about the puppets like that was originally DH sports it was a yeah. very general name what is it right. now Number yeah. one Bengals podcast. Is exactly. it true? It's up to your interpretation, but that's the name.
0: So so how are the puppets doing? I mean, are they okay? I know they're they're a little distraught after the uh, AFC championship game.
1: Very distraught. They're they're back home on Village Island right now. They're taking a little hiatus from from the show and everything. we might go into a maybe a different direction for the offseason, but it, it'll be back before you guys know it.
0: Sounds good, yeah. I had I had I don't I don't know if you noticed or not, but Bridget actually rode with me in uh Sun of yeah. Ice to uh to kc that was that was a good trip i thought the funny thing is so my son has this brand new car that he got and you can't only thing i could drink we're not a drink in it was water <laughs> so every time we had to stop and get something we had to stop get out and eat we couldn't just go through a drive through or pick anything up so it took even longer he was like i don't want to pop in here i don't want anything else we're not ruining the nice new car i'm like oh my god
2: priorities
1: so bridget, respect
0: yeah so me and bridget were, were stuck drinking water and you know, it's a 10 hour drive and you drink enough water. You got to make other stops other than, <laughs> other than food. Right. So we were making this one we We're I had to, I had to go to the bathroom so bad. I was like, dude, we got to find somebody. So we pulled into a, it was an, I guess they sold RVs there or whatever. So I go up to the door and it's supposed to be an automatic door and it's got the mirrored glass. Like I, all I saw was myself. So I walk up there and the door doesn't open. I'm like, are they not open? I'm like, Oh crap. Well, screw it. I'm going to run around the side of the building or something. I'm like, looking around, there's cameras there. There's guys working. I'm like, oh man, I can't do that. So I finally saw some guy over there working. I said, hey, I said, are you guys open? I have, I have to use the restroom. He goes, he goes yeah, just go to sign glass door. I'm like, I did. It didn't open. He goes, pull it open. I'm like, oh, okay. So I pulled the door open, ran in. like, hi, I don't buy anything. Can I go to your, use your bathroom? They're like, yeah, it's right over there. I'm like, all right,
2: thanks. <laughs> so,
0: that was that was an interesting trip that I, I said we just stopped at some random rv place and didn't want to buy an rv but i mean we're in the middle of missouri so i guess they're big camp campers out there i don't know you ever been be,
1: i have not but that'd be a great business model if you have to use restroom you have to buy an rv first you know? i feel like i would increase sales by <laughs> yeah, a lot
0: like nope you can't go unless you buy this hundred thousand dollar rv i'm like i'll just go pee in the parking lot then <laughs> anyway we're not here to talk about rvs we're here to talk about bagels off-season moves, and I think this is one of the most crucial and interesting off-seasons that the Bengals had. We could have said that last year, but, I mean, until I think the Bengals win a Lombardi every year, so we're like, all right, this is a crucial year, you know? I mean, but it's even bigger this year because you got Joe's contract extension, T's contract extension, you know, the free agents that are gone, or, or not gone, but free agents that possibly could be gone, the ones they might bring in, what are we going to do A right tackle? So, in general, what is your thoughts on – the Bengals offseason moves in general right now.
1: It's going to look a lot like offseasons of the past, but obviously I mean the difference is Burrow and what right. comes with that is a different looking contract than any Bengals fan has ever seen with this team. Now, if they were to get a deal done with T Higgins as well, that contract will also probably look different. Like they they, they try to do they try to stick in their own lane when it comes to how they deal with finances and just general philosophies and everything, but their hand has basically been forced both with the quarterback and receiver market. Like They can't expect to give T. Higgins a a deal that's structured in, in ways that they've done in the past just because T. Higgins knows his worth. He's got an agent right. who will constantly remind him of what his worth is.
0: That's what I'm worried about is, is his agent.
1: <laughs> and like the market is just at a point now where T. Higgins, if the Bengals were to keep him, they can structure in different ways to make sure that the cap is not too strenuous on them. But if they were to even do that, they would structure it in ways where they haven't done it in the past, where you have a lower cap hit in year one, but that requires a larger signing bonus that requires potential guarantees down the road. It's going to require them with these two contracts to do business in different ways, but we can assume that they're prepared to do that based off of you know the business decisions that they've made in the past year or so so it's, it just comes down to not a matter of if but just of when at this point point. and those two deals will shape how this off season plays out like i don't expect higgins to be done if it if it does get done this off season it probably won't get done until like august maybe right up to right. the season like aj green was in 2015 right. i'm sure they want to get burrow done as soon as possible just so they can go forth with whatever plan that they want in free agency, but if not, that's going to impact how how things are done as well. But aside from those two, I feel like it's going to be a very similar offseason before you know the you know the 2020s. Not to right. the extent of signing bad players in free agency, right. but not not going out and getting your Trey Hendricksons and your G.J. readers on day right. one.
0: But to your point, right, of how they're gonna to have to probably structure these things different and bigger signing bonuses. To me, I think they, they've made the the right moves. To prepare themselves for this, hence the names pay core. Hence, we got you know uh, different uh, na- names to the different gates a- around the stadium and stuff. I think oh, that's all to, to to get cash flow. they look at cash to, to for these signing bonuses. My my question is, do you think they because the restructuring and because uh, we talk about re- or not restructuring, but the, the structure of the new contracts is something that I think they're going to have to do. I think I think they're prepared to do restructuring contracts. Is that something? That the Bengals have never done that I know of, like Joe Mixon, Lyle Collins. Just throw out some names here. You know, maybe maybe Tyler Boyd. Is this something that the Bengals, or do you think the Bengals can possibly do is restructure some existing contracts?
1: I'm leaning towards no. I feel like that's more something like I need to see to believe. I I think it's interesting. Uh, with Mixon and Lell, because we talk about you know, David Mulligetta, who's the agent of Jesse Bates and T. Higgins. Uh, Peter Schaefer, I believe that's his name, is the agent for both Lell Collins and Joe Mixon, and both of them are being talked to as guys that could be on the cutting room floor. I don't think both will get cut. Maybe one will right. get cut at this point, but it, it would just be interesting how the Bengals have such a great relationship with Schaefer, and that's how they were able to get a deal done with both players, specifically with Collins, because that whole negotiation process was, was definitely interesting. It would be it fast, interesting... <laughs> It was real quick yeah yeah it would be interesting if both those guys were let go after they signed you know relatively team-friendly deals like they have an established relationship with with that agent and they are at least in the past they were able to get agreements to those deals because yeah this they have this reputation of you know remaining true to the contract and not altering it during the life of the deal releasing unless it's like clear and obvious or anything like but basically you're able to get the majority if not all the money out of the deal, if they were to like change some of those deals or you know cut, to cut ties with those deals, I feel like that would be a big step, especially with right. an agent that they have a great relationship with. As, as far as other restructures, like I, it would make sense, but again, like I, I feel like they're d- despite Payne, Burrow, and Higgins and Chase down the line, they're never going to be in a position. I feel like they're never going to put themselves in a position where they feel like they need to restructure. They'll always give themselves a certain like an X. Amount of cap space. They, they structured them right the in the first signings. place, in,
0: in their opinion. I guess is exactly the best way to put it. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Like maybe, like maybe you might see one if they're like really tied up against the cap. But this, they, they'll never be like the Saints, where they're just making thirty moves before the new New Year starts, and then right. you know they're in negative cap space and they're trying to to jump through a bunch of hoops to get into the green. Like they, I don't think they'll ever put themselves in a position to, for, for that. And because of that, I don't think you'll ever really see them take that jump.
0: Now I don't think they're going. to... Uh, tag anyway, but Chris here has a question. Uh, sorry, just tuning in. Who gets franchise tagged? Me personally, I don't think they're tagging anybody to be honest.
1: No, like I think, like Bates in in theory would make sense if it wasn't already a, a, like a high enough price. Like, right, t- double tagging anyone is typically not great business, especially because you paid him 13 million last year, you, you would have to pay him about 16, maybe 17 million this year. That's 30 million in cash that you're owing this player you were only guaranteeing what 17 18 million in the proposed contract that you offered him over these past two years like at that point it's, it's just it's just too much and I'm I can't really speak on what the relationship is between Bates and the team at this point with, with how the contract talk and negotiations have gone but I, I just don't think that's that's right Hayden Hurst like, as another guy, we like, hey, you want to see him do it for another year, but I mean, you're really going to spend that much money for a single year on a tight end? I don't think so. The guy who makes the most sense, regardless of financials, or putting financials to the side is Jermaine Pratt, just because mm-hmm. of how well he played in the contract year, but right. that's 19, 20 million dollars.
2: Yeah, and and that's the one linebacker. they
0: actually have somebody behind, just like Jesse Bates, that they could yeah. replace. I mean, now he's not going to be, I mean, Akeem Davis-Gaither is not going to be as good. Well, maybe he will be, but I don't, don't see it right now being as good as Jermaine Pratt, but that is something that they have already in place, just like Dax Hill with with Jesse Bates. That's why I personally think both of them are gone because of who they have behind them.
1: Pretty much, like, and again, like the definition of the franchise tag is it's the average of the top five salaries at that position. So you would only place the tag on someone that you would view in that upper ech- echelon of, of positions. I don't think you quite view Jeremy Pratt at that point yet. You probably view T Higgins at that point if it yeah. if. This was the last year of his deal, and that's why we might have a conversation about this this time next year if they don't get a deal done. Like, that, Teagans right. is the exact player that they would tag, and that's, I feel like, being missed r- yeah. r- no, right now is. with, with yeah. a lot of discussions around the league. No.
0: Yeah, that's, that's why everybody keeps saying that. Like, everybody's like, all they got trade. I'm like, dude, one, I think they're going to sign him. Two, if they don't, they will definitely tag him. I guarantee you they'll tag him. I mean, they're not going to yeah. just let him walk. because well, One thing the Bengals lo- love is they love quarterbacks and they love wide receivers. I mean, look at the franchise history of our quarterbacks and wide receivers. So, I mean, they will – T's not going anywhere for at least the next three years. He's a Bengal, in my opinion, if they sign him or not, which I think they will. But, well, okay, so what's your thoughts on that? Do you think they can fit Burrow, T, and Chase under the Sour Cap? And do you think that's their – I think that's their plan, but do you think they'll actually do that?
1: They can fit them all under the cap just because if they were to structure in the way of the 21st century – like your first two years like your cap hits aren't going to be that high but that of course requires a ton of cash up front the Bengals typically like to have this cash to cap ratio of about one to one and that ratio would be kind of off kilter in these next couple of years if they were to put let's just throw out some random numbers like 150 in cash 150 million in cash to burrow right and then i don't know like 60 70 to higgins and then like a hundred to chase like that's that's a ton of cash on, yeah. on hand that they I need to have yeah it. right so Again, like that—that's that's the huge hurdle with how to structure these with low cap hits up front, which is why like Alex Capo is a great example. He sounded like a four-year, forty million, but his, his cap hit immediately was pretty close to the average annual value of ten. Like, okay, you see other deals in, in that range, like you know the first year cap hit is like six to seven because he gets a lot of cash up front. That's just not how the Bengals have traditionally done business. If right. if that's the direction that they want to go, then they're just going to have to greatly adjust whatever ratio of cash to cap that they're, they're going to have.
0: I uh, talk a little we Player M here we'll get because he's first time him comment him or him or her commenting here. Uh, that I can't remember, but it said, uh, uh, to me, it's time to get a 20 sack D lineman. Um, my question would be, where and who? I guess. I mean, oh, he's
1: talking about one, like one player.
0: <laughs> I, I think so.
1: Yeah, is there is there a TJ Watt or Miles Garrett available? That'd be nice,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, that's I don't know. I left her. I'm like, I don't, he's, he goes, uh, indeed. I want the quarterback to be sacked. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I mean, I don't know. That's not. They're not. That's like. That's like when we had Andy Dalton, and everybody's like, "Well, we need to get a better quarterback." All right, who? Like, I, I'd love to get a you know twenty sack guy, but I don't think he's out there. It's just like the whole uh, conversation I've had a lot of here this week about the right tackle position. Like, there's no fr- franchise right tackle out there. I mean, there's not. I mean, I really do. Now, Dale from Bengals and Brewers was on here yesterday talking up. uh I'm gonna say his name wrong. Um, the the uh, tackle from the Raiders, who's a free agent, uh, uh, Jared Illumin. Alu, I kept saying Illuminati, or Whatever. <laughs> Do you know, I can't say his name. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And he said he's PFF has ranked in the top ten. Like he's seventh among tackles, and he only always projected to make four million. I'll probably it might be like six, seven million. To me, that's a guy that definitely the Bengals should try to go out and sign, and then possibly. Maybe one of these, these right tackles would be there in the draft, and you could possibly draft them. Because there they have, if you draft an offensive lineman, I don't care if you draft one in the first round. Offensive linemen still take at least a year or two to actually really develop to where you can really rely on them. So what's your – I guess my whole thing is, what's your thoughts on the right tackle position? That's one that, for me, is a big spot that we got to figure out.
1: There's two angles with this. I think, for starters – like, they need someone that they can rely on for week one, and I don't think that's Leo Collins at this point. Like, right, you just that's... can't project if he's... Like, even if he is, healthy, um, How is he healthy, healthy enough to play at a high level, yeah, like, like he suffered a torn ACL in December. He's 300-something pounds at 30 years old. Like, you don't... Right. Typically, you don't expect that to recover in just nine months. So they need, like, a quick fix. So I... I'm not looking at the Mike McGlinchees, the Juwan Taylors of the world because they already have a decent amount of change invested in the offensive line. They did that last year. I think they still would like to have Lel Collins for this year, but they just obviously they can't rely on him. So I would look at it like a stopgap. I would look at someone that you signed for one, maybe two years with, with some incentives because he's probably going to be relied on to play at least... For the beginning part of the year and you put some incentives in the contract to say hey if you play x amount of games in case Lel's not ready you get an increase in salary i feel like uh jermaine uh, illuminati let's call him that is, it, is it good <laughs> yeah for I, that just 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 because he had one year of starting experience and he played really well with the raiders but he was also with the patriots when ted Karras was there so there's a connection there the, the other connection that makes sense to me is cameron fleming who's a little bit on the older side he's like 30 31 but he was with the Cowboys when Frank Pollock was there in like 2018, 2019. So that, okay. those two make sense to me as like, okay, we don't believe our right tackle is going to be available to start for, with us. We don't want to rely on a rookie, especially because I think there are a lot of good right tackles in this class, but they're drafting so late in the first round. I don't think you can trust that one is going right. to be there, even though the other angle with this, they need long-term security at both spots, right? And they I do. think this year, this year makes perfect sense to address that. Either tackle spot in the first two rounds. But again, I don't want to go into the draft not having already signed one and just relying on, hey, we hope that one's there, and then you're in a position where you're either taking, you know, Jackson Carmen or Billy Price again.
0: Yeah, that's that that's exactly my my whole thing. I I don't want to go and pick it at twenty-eight in the first round, sixty in the second round. You can't sit there and go in there and, and, and say, All right, we gotta get it, we gotta get a right tackle, we gotta get a tackle, you know. I want somebody in there like, all right. If there's a tackle there, we can draft. If, if he's not there in the first round, we can possibly get one in the second round that can, we can develop. That's where the Bengals need to be because – and it's nothing against little. you just can't count on him, like you said, with his torn ACL. It's ACL and MCL, right? Did he tear both of them or is it just yeah. the ACL? Yeah, it's both of them. So, I mean, that's two ligaments. He's 300-some pounds, so it's going to take a while. If, if you remember uh, uh Trey Hopkins, <clears throat> Joe's uh, second year, he was coming back from, I think, a torn ACL, and he really – never was that great at center. So it takes a long time to come back from that. So that's something where me personally, that's one thing I want them to address. They got to get somebody who they can rely on at right tackle. And I still rely on right tackle. And God, if they could just freaking stay healthy at right tackle, John, that would be be huge. I'm like, I'm tired of going into the playoff. Oh, right. Tackles, you know, out for season. But if, if you have, if you sign somebody and you keep La'el, there is your, 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 Your scenario that if one of them gets hurt, then the other one is right there. So that's where I'm starting to lean more toward keeping Lael because he doesn't cost a ton, and you know it's not it would not rush him back to to having to hurry up and start. Where are you at on keeping Lael or cutting him?
1: So uh, we had this conversation uh, on Twitter a couple of days ago. Like I'm not the opinion that Lael should be kept just as like your swing tackle. Like I I feel like if you're keeping him on the roster. You're expecting him to return as a starter at some point, whether that's late this year or I mean, it would have to be late this year. I, I don't yeah. I don't feel like you can keep him here and just retro him for at the earliest. At that my, point, my
0: opinion, he's, he's a comeback to October at the earliest, I, I think, just just my opinion. Good. Sorry. I'm no yeah, doctor. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned Trey Hopkins. That's the perfect example. He was hurt like the last week of 2020, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And it was a to me, it was miraculous that he was even healthy oh, yeah. for week one. Yeah, right. and but you clearly saw he wasn't the same player until like late, late October that year, and then right. he finished the year strong. But you know they made the decision to move on from him. But you know he was thirty years old. He's about the same. Like, but he didn't have as extensive of an injury history as Lael, and that's the other thing here, man. Like, if you're paying a guy seven million dollars to sit on the bench, but he's already at the point in his career where he's not practicing for a, a day of the week just because you're you, you know performing maintenance essentially or load management on his back because he's just that's just who he is at this point and that's why his contract is set up in the way where 2.4 million of his salary this year is based off of per game roster bonuses and he doesn't get that money if he doesn't play the bengals knew this going into this agreement and this partnership with him and it's it's the biggest variable to me because obviously there's implications that they cut him before he can pass the physical and then would take on like a, a bigger amount of dead cap with that so I, I just don't foresee it happening because of that but i, I again like it's 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 a very weird and unpredictable situation. It's
0: a very unique situation. I mean, I mean, honestly, John, if, if he didn't get hurt, if Lowe didn't get hurt, we, we would just be talking about trying to get depth pieces. And I think yeah. that's even because pe- people give uh Jonah all kinds of crap. And, and, and to me, I, I say this all the time, Jonah Williams is going to be our left tackle next year. And, like it or not, he's going to be our left tackle. Do we need to find some more depth? Yes. Is he going to be here after that? I have no idea. Now, Jonah Williams... He has never lived up to the number eleven overall pick, but he's not, in my opinion, he's not god awful. I mean, yes, he's given up a, I think the most sacks. I think of this for left tackle, but I always look at it this way: he has to go against Miles Garrett twice a year. He has to go against JJ Watt. I mean, he has to go get some of the best defenses in the freaking league. So you have to kind of hold back the criticism a little bit. Yes, he's not as good as we want him to be, but he's not awful. What's your thoughts on Jonah? Mine is. <laughs>
1: I, I kind of went off on this on on Wednesday on, on the Orange or Black Insider. I, I don't like that people have access to sack numbers for offensive linemen now because it completely creates this skewed argument against them. And people love to look at Jonas sack numbers. They don't I like saw, to look saw at it. I you
0: tweet and, something out about this, didn't you? Did in you context, tweet? yeah. Okay. So in,
1: in context to his snap-for-snap snap production compared to other tackles in his realm – Most tackles don't give up that many sacks. And when I say give up, I mean sacks don't normally happen as much for those tackles who play at the level that Jonah Williams played, which I would say is adequate for a starting left tackle. If he were released, he would get picked up immediately by any team that needs a competent left tackle. That's just like we we can talk about living up to draft status. I don't know what the... like. if you were to and pull hundred anthony fans.
0: munoz i mean that that's i mean i guess, that's what it sounds like to me when they when they say it which is a hall of fame the best offensive left tackle ever in nfl that's what it sounds like to me when people say, say this stuff which i think is when ridiculous. he came
1: out of alabama like he was a very good technician. He was. He knew what he was doing at such a young age. He had so much starting experience out of Alabama. He always had these physical limitations. Though. He was never the quickest out of his stands. Yeah, he's obviously not the biggest. He doesn't have the longest arms. He doesn't have the strongest hands and everything. But he's managed to be a quality left tackle regardless. If you take a, if you don't look at the sack number, you see a quality left tackle because sacks are not on individual offensive linemen like PFF in the way that they chart. Like someone has to be quote unquote responsible. But I, I don't look at Jonah Williams saying, oh, he's guaranteed to give up a sack a game and... If you take away the Browns games, like he doesn't give up that many sacks. Like right. I, it's weird. I don't want to. I don't want to look at it that and view it from that perspective. But Miles Garrett is freaking good, man, and he beats most left tackles that he <laughs> I, goes up against.
0: Exactly. I, I say that all the time, it's Miles freaking Garrett. I mean, yes, well, he beats everybody. <laughs> There's a reason he he's one of the best defensive players in, in football.
1: If I you mean- were to look at both Jonah and Lel and watch all their snaps and you didn't, you, you didn't know who who which one was which, right? You didn't know, like, you're not a Bengals fan. You don't know these guys' names. But if you're just going to watch both those guys every single snap, you would come away saying, man, number 71 for Bengals is a lot worse than number 73. That's just what it was last year. Like, right. I'm sorry, but that, that's just what it was.
0: Right. And the, th- the thing is, the one thing I, I keep trying to remind Bengals fans, too, is when the offensive line was healthy and we had all five guys playing together, Joe Burrow was one of the least sacked quarterbacks in, in football during that stretch. I mean, I don't I I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I do know that. And and think and if you remember, we won freaking ten games in a row. That's where I'm like, everyone wants to get rid of of, of everybody on the offensive line, or not everybody, mostly Jonah. I'm like, all we really gotta do is worry about the right tackle. And the only reason that is because Lael is injured. We need depth, obviously. We need that too. But that's the position starting position you need to worry about because of the injury of Lael Collins. Other than that, I'm okay with the offensive line. Now, now do they keep Jonah after this next year? I have no idea. That's up to them. But Jonah Williams is going to be our, our left tackle, and he's not that bad. I mean, he's not he's not all pro, but he's pretty damn good. And like you said, if he is a free agent, he's probably right underneath uh, Orlando Brown as, as the top free agents at left tackle, I think.
1: So there's there's another angle with this, too, because there's, a, there's an obvious distrust when it comes to the franchise and drafting offensive linemen, and I and I, I understand that, right? You, you want yeah. – the team to be attacking positions that they're good at developing right and like oh theoretically if you are bad at drafting exposition then you should just sign these guys it's tough to consistently year after year if you have an offensive line weakness i'll oh, just go out and get the best guy on the market right the, the money is not unlimited in that regard right, right if, if right. the bengals are to sustain this level of success they need to be good at drafting at all positions like they can't stop Investing in Young's talent, specifically the right. offensive line, just because of how valued it is on the open market. The price is only going up, especially for the tackles' positions. The Bengals can't give up in that regard. They need to evolve their scouting process. They need to just work through it. Like they can't just continue to rely on just going after veterans for this because eventually the, the money is going to run up dry.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is that they actually drafted an offensive lineman last year, Cordo Volsen. He played all, all 17 games. So, I mean, that to me, that's a good sign. And Say what, you, what about Jackson Carmen. When they needed Jackson Carmen this year, he didn't do bad. You know, I mean, I don't know where you're, where you're at on Jackson Carmen. I know he played better in the, in the Buffalo game than he did the Kansas City game. But but all of the offensive line played better in the Buffalo game than they did the Kansas City game. But I think Jackson Carmen has at least earned his spot on the team next year as the backup left tackle, maybe possibly swing tackle. Where are you at on Jackson Carmen and, and the Bengals right now?
1: I don't have an issue with him being the swing tackle. I feel like, it, it, I think it's fair to say at this point that he's the most comfortable on mm-hmm. the outside. Um, I think, I, I I didn't personally see that great of an athlete and Clemson, but that was something that some other people saw. And that's why at the end of the day, scouting is ultimately subjective when it comes to these, when it comes to the eye test, right? So it looks like after two years of technique training and just being in the NFL team and in a locker room and. And conditioning and everything it, f- it seems like his footwork is good enough to, to survive on the edge it seems like his hand usage has always been interesting to me like it, it's it's more nuanced than people give him credit for and i feel like when he was inside he was mainly relying on, the, on these jump sets and just getting up into into the defensive tackle space and that lets you very over aggressive reps and defensive tackles kind of took advantage of that but when he's on the outside i think he's more patient i think he he strikes his landmarks a little bit better and more consistently and right. that's 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 a decent tackle. Now the sample size is extremely small, yeah. and you can look at what right. the benefits of playing in a blizzard against a non-elite edge rusher a, right. against the Buffalo Bills, and you can go into all that, and then you can weigh it against what he did against the Chiefs, which wasn't very good. And i i would const- I would confidently say that Jonah Williams would have played better in that game yeah. compared to Jackson Carmen because because Jonah Williams is a better left tackle than Jackson Carmen right now, and that's just yeah. what it is. So until he, Jackson Carmen proves it. Over a 16 17 game schedule, yeah. I'm not confident in relying on him as a starter.
0: Right. No, yeah. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not saying uh, have him as a starter. I mean, John, I, look, I, I've thrown this out there. If our offensive line is healthy, we win the damn Super Bowl. I I, I totally believe that. I, I think if our offensive line was healthy last year, we wouldn't. If that means with Riley Reef at your right tackle, I think we won the Super Bowl. I mean, that's to me, that's we're, we are, we're, I hate to say we're an offensive line away from winning. We're a healthy offensive line away from winning a Super Bowl. That's where I'm like the depth has got to improve, I think, because it just – we've needed it the last couple two years. We, I mean, we've been a pretty healthy freaking team except for our offensive line the last two years. That's where we got to get that depth somehow. And it's going to be the draft, to be honest. I don't I don't see them signing a lot of veteran guys as backups. I do – like I said, I do want them to address a veteran guy at right tackle just because L's not, not – Healthy, and I've said that a couple times on here. Let me get to a uh, pork chop here, and he's talking about Tampa Bay. And nobody knows. I know nobody thinks this, but what if Tampa Bay has a fire sale because they are way over the cap? Maybe they shop worse. What do you think about that, John and Ice? Good job. Yeah, tr-
1: Tristan works would would help a lot. He's only <laughs> I don't know the best young right tackle in the league. That comes with a price, though. Uh-huh. Um yeah. I, re- I remember someone brought up like, would you trade T Higgins for Tristan? Works straight up. And I would lean no, just because I think a high quality receiver is more valuable than an individual high quality tackle. Uh, I don't think Tristan Wirfs will be for sale though. I don't. I don't think Tampa Bay is quite ready for all of that yet. And, and I think he's he should be a core piece for them just to build going forward. Right. But yeah, like when you have a situation like that, like I feel like other players who are maybe not foundational building blocks are probably on the table for them maybe.
0: Well, the other thing to that is if we were willing to trade T. Higgins for worse, well, then we would have not drafted uh, Jamar Chase and drafted Sewell. So I don't see them doing doing that. I mean, that's the same. They had they literally had that scenario two years ago. They could have drafted Pinay Sewell and they drafted Jamar Chase. And I think we're all happy they did that. <laughs> Jamar Chase has been a, a game changer and and T. Higgins dropped to the second round has been unbelievable. So that's where sort of, that's just that would be my caveat to that. All right. Uh, player M defensive ends are more common than O-line players. Lou says defensive wins championships. Other teams in the AFC North won because of their defense just saying our defense actually. And that's the one thing, John, our defense is pretty damn good. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, the, our defense is the reason we've went to two super Bowl, or, or to two AFC championship games. I mean, our, our offense played so up and down the last two years. Defense has been the one that's most consistent. That's where, I think it's funny people were like, oh, we gotta get a more uh what you were just saying about sacks. Well, we get a lot of pressures on quarterbacks, and to me, pressuring is almost as good as a sack. Yeah, a sack's great, but if you get pressure on the guy, you're making him throw the ball faster. And that makes it easier for your your DVs to cover cover him too, because he's throwing it before either wide receiver gets to a spot or whatever. Where what's your thoughts on on the defense in, in general?
1: In general, like my whole I'm, I'm sure that I'm, I can speak for a lot of people. Like my whole perception and thoughts on Lunarumo has evolved so much in his four years. Like I used oh, to think, oh, dude, that, I, used okay. him,
0: I used to call him Am- Amarita or what to call it? armadillo. <laughs> That's what I used to call him. Now I'm calling him Ludini and the Mad Scientist. I love Lou now.
1: <laughs> yeah, like when when they started investing in the defense and investing in a way that was unprecedented for them, like in terms of bringing all these big money uh, names in to just rebuild the whole unit. You know, I thought, okay. Yeah, like he's getting results, but it's because like the defense is now talented in every in every way, shape, or form. Now I'm I'm to the point where like the defense gets pressures, the defense gets stops on third down because there just isn't a weakness. And while there isn't a weakness, there isn't like a dominating strength either. Like unless you just want to look at just isolated at the maybe the best nose tackle in the league, and DJ Reader, he's probably the best case for being an elite player. On this defense tree, Hendrickson consistently gets ten plus sacks, but he's not a take over the game like a Miles Garrett type, uh, type player. You know, and I'm sure that's what player M is thinking about with with a twenty sack player. You know, that that unicorn. He just finds a way to just on a weekly basis just cook up in a perfect game plan against what the offense does best, and he has this unit clicking on all cylinders where. The, the defense gets pressures not just because you, you know, you're know you winning in a timely manner, but the secondary is constantly communicating on the same page and with, with sticky coverage, rarely allowing separation. It's, it's All these things work in unison, and that's right. what gets results. And that's a, a, that's a testament to the game planning and the real-time coaching with Anirumo. So I, I give him even more credit than I probably gave him last year. Where I'm like, oh, okay, maybe it's just a product of a defense that's now talented. No, I think right. it's because of what he's doing with his talent.
0: Yeah, exactly. And one thing that that Lou does—that's why I call him Lou Genie—and I call the defense more of a, a morphing defense. It, it, it's more of like what the Patriots would do to win all the Super Bowls. Whatever you do good, they take that away from you, and it doesn't. Yeah. And they can change from quarter to quarter, half to half, which I think is great by Lou and by the players to be able to, to do that.
1: But here's here's the thing, though. Like I—I I mean, the Super Bowls—the best example of this. The Eagles got to the Super Bowl. You know, obviously their offense is great. They've sacked like. The quarterback 80 times I think right. <laughs> on, on the season right they had a really talented defensive line and you know we can talk about the conditions of the field but that defense line was more or less neutralized mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl normally a, def- a defensive line that talented that that can help you you know win a Super Bowl that's why the Eagles ultimately beat the Patriots like five years ago they had a, right. another d- dom- dominant defensive line in 2017 and I feel like that's probably the missing piece with the Bengals like you know scheme and coaching, it, it can take you a lot, a lot of places, right? But when you're up against the juggernaut like the Chiefs and the Bengals, will eventually have to run into the Chiefs again if they can't consistently, you know, garner pressure and generate pressure on Mahomes or any other elite quarterback and elite offense and, and just an elite scheme that you know does just as well of scheming offense as Luna Rumo does scheming defense. Like you need that elite town all, ultimately to get over the hump, and I feel like there might be just another good pass rusher away from consistently generating pressure. Throughout the game, because sometimes it does, unfortunately, disappear a little bit.
0: Now, now could that guy be on the roster? And I, the one I'm, I'm leaning toward is Joshua Osai. Because in that Kansas City Chiefs games before he hit Patrick Mahomes out of bounds, he was getting pressure on, on Patrick Mahomes. And toward the end of the season, he started making that leap. I think that we all hoped he'd make earlier in the season. And that's where I, I don't want to squash his progress. I it put, it put him up there. Do you think he... Takes an even bigger jump this year to possibly be that pass rush, that other extra pass rusher that we're talking about.
1: I think it's dependent on if they can find another pass rushing defensive tackle because early in the season, Osai played a lot of snaps inside because they right. just didn't have. That nickel pass rusher to put to put next to like BJ Hill, right? DJ Reader was their best pass rushing defensive tackle. I love DJ Reader. He's a phenomenal player right. that cannot repeat again. Like, right. <laughs> know, like right, you know right. what I mean? No, like, yeah, like, he, he doesn't have that explosiveness that you, that other teams have at the three-technique spot, and they need that guy that they can rotate in with B.J. Hill. They need essentially a better version, a younger version of Larry Joby that they had in 2021, right. and when you have that guy that can play 400, 500 snaps and give you, you know, pushing-the-pocket production, it allows you to keep Osai on the edge where he can thrive and where he did start to thrive towards the end of the season.
0: Now, is that, did Zach Carter, did he do enough for you to think he—not not that he can be that guy, but he can— Taking our step next year, uh, I still because I mean I know you said a younger guy. One one thing I'm I mean I would love to get Larry O back, but another guy that I have out there that I wanted the Bengals to try to sign last year, that the free agent this year is Akeem Hicks. I uh, know he's not he's not he's on the older older side, but rotationally put him in there with Zach Carter, maybe you know that that could be a a a, a formula to what we're talking about. What do you think about uh, Akeem Hicks and uh, Zach Carter?
1: Yeah, Akeem Hicks might be. Might be on the, just the back burner at this point. Yeah, like he might be. I, I I don't don't see him being that much of a factor for any defense at this point. Um, Zach Carter showed enough, I think, as a run defender. But I would not be confident if he's your third defensive tackle pass from a pass rushing standpoint. Right. So, like I I, I question what the plan was with him this season in general because he was an edge who essentially the Bengals moved him inside. They bulked him up a little bit. And when you gain that extra weight, you you know it, typically you lose explosion, you lose right. speed, athleticism, the whole nine yards. So he just did next to nothing as a pass rusher this year. But you saw him be more consistent in finding the ball and shedding blocks and run defense. And there, there's there's value to that, right? Like if they keep five defensive tackles, I feel like he'll he'll be amongst that five. But like he didn't do enough to the point where like I'm ignoring pass rushing defensive tackles in the draft.
0: So do you think there's a chance they could get Larry O back? Because to me, I, I there. It would be he would have to check his ego because he wouldn't be the starter. B.J. Hill would be the starter. I, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to get him back. What, what's your what's your thoughts on it? Because I don't think he's going to get the money he got from Chicago. You know, he had a good year, but not as good as he did with the Bengals. I think. What, what's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, that I mean that that's certainly what he's looking for at this one because he's still young enough mm-hmm. to theoretically you know break the bank. But uh, I. I don't think he did that much with Pittsburgh this year, and right. he might he might be looking at another one year deal. And if that's the case, I'm sure Cincinnati will be on on the radar. But I mean, I don't think any of us expected to him to get as much as Chicago offered and agreed to. Yeah, but I mean that's that's, that's just what free, free agency got, got is out right? Of it. <laughs> right yeah like yeah. I mean, I mean and like coincidentally Chicago is the team that I'm looking at like as this year's Jaguars as a team that's going to probably inflate multiple markets like I don't know if it's going to be you know Christian Kirk 2.0 again but like like they have all the money in the world right now and they need to build around their quarterback so you know if if they if they target a couple of guys at some positions they'll probably just offer him like five six million more than what the current market is and just basically screw up the, the rest of the league for it, maybe.
0: So who who out there, I guess, in free agency, would be somebody that the Bengals could target? Do you have somebody in mind? Have you even done a, a dive into that at all?
1: As I'm a big fan it? of Puna Ford, uh, the defensive tackle from Seattle. Like, I feel like okay. he can play both technique spots, but he's – more of a productive pass rusher than people give him credit for he signed like a two-year deal with Seattle I think a couple of years ago and there might not be interest to bring him back again so he's still on the younger side I think he's like 26 27 which fits in the range of what the Bengals are typically targeting nowadays th- they just need that extra boost inside and I feel like he's not going to command starter money or anything he might look for a chance to prove himself and get back on the market next year and I feel like this would be a good spot for that
0: yeah th- those are more of the guys like I said that, that I'm thinking that the Bengals are going aside like I said the guy from uh I can't keep saying Illuminati. The right tackle from the Raiders, and then uh, um, Puna—is <laughs> that what you said? His name was Puna. Yeah. Uh, th- those, I think, are gar- guys that I think the Bengals would be targeting. Now, th- now, I always say uh, those guys aren't like first, first day guys, but I mean, Alex Kappa and Ted Karras weren't necessarily first day free agents either, but they're the first ones that came out the block, and, and the Bengals signed them. So, I mean, the Bengals could target that again uh, this off because those are two spots that I don't know if you necessarily can fix or are willing to fix in the draft. And they tried to replace Larry in the draft and it didn't really work. So that is something that I think if you get somebody to replace what Larry O did the day be- the year before, that's going to help the pass rush. And, and like you said, and pressuring on, on the quarterback. So do you think those might be targets that they possibly do look in the free agency?
1: Yeah. Just because you have to look at opportunity too. you're going to, you're going to have a starting 22 of, like I think at this point, like eighteen are, are under contract. Uh, you know, a handful will leave. Like Bates and Pratt will probably probably be gone, but Eli Apple will be gone too at, at this point. And
0: you don't think they're going to resign him. Eli? You don't think he's going back I, again? It,
1: it's all it's all dependent on like if another team will take him. Which I think the be better shot since point.
0: Lou came back is, is where I, I think if Lou was gone, I don't think they sign him. But I think there's a better sure. shot.
1: sure, but but even still, like he, I don't think he will come back as a starter. So like, oh if, no, if, no, no, no. Yeah. So, like, of the incumbent 22, right now, I think 17 or 18 are under contract. And right. for two of them who are going to leave in Bates, and, you know, in this case, Apple would leave as a starter but come back as a reserve. You have two guys who replace them in Taylor Britt and Dax Hill. You have Pratt leaving, and then a, a platoon of Marcus Bailey, Akeem Davis Gaver, will, will replace him. Hayden Hurst could potentially leave, but you're looking at a tight end class in the draft that's really talented and they might go to there. So, in terms of enticing free agents to come here and specifically free agents that you sign early they're looking for starting jobs right tackle would be there and maybe you know rotational defensive tackle you know a, a position that gets 400 500 snaps like those just would be the most attractive spots and potential openings that i think outside free agents look at it. hey i have an opportunity to play for a contender and play significant right. snaps
0: Yeah, you you read my mind that's all i was about to say is that the Bengals being a legit super bowl contender these guys, it has to be a factor in, in, in this as well. You know, I could do a one year approval deal, go win a ring, and you know, maybe move on, get my ring, and then get more money next year is, is, is a factor. Now, we talked we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the show uh, Joe Burrow's contract. And uh, I'll give a shout out to you because you did a video a couple weeks ago about uh, Joe Burrow and people think that Burrow is going to take less money. I Me mean, personally, I don't think he's going to take less money. I don't necessarily know if he's going to break the bank, but I think the Bengals are going to structure it more like along the lines of what Patrick Holmes did, which when they did this, Patrick Holmes was the highest paid quarterback and the Bengals are not afraid to pay their quarterbacks. Boomer used to be the highest paid quarterback. Uh, Carson Palmer was, I think Andy Dalton was for a day or two. I mean, they pay quarterbacks, you know, so I'm not worried about that. So maybe I guess, do you think they're going to sign Joe? I think they got to sign him before free agency is what I'm, I think they're trying to do that. Do you think that's a good shot? That's going to happen. Just, Joe Burrow's contract in general. I know I kind of rambled there, but what do you got?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to look like, again, something that we've never seen before. So I don't have a lot to go off of. Like, I can look at what other quarterbacks have signed, but, like, there's a possibility that he signs an eight-year, a nine-year, ten-year deal. There's a possibility he signs a three-year, four-year deal like Dak Prescott did. And whatever, whatever happens, like... I'm sure, the Bengals will just accept it regardless. But right. the only thing that I can say is that he'll he'll eclipse fifty million per year, and you can you know provide the rolling guarantee argument, and you can you know do all these other things to structure in different ways. But fifty million years, fifty million a year, and once that money becomes real, it's not it's not team friendly. You, you can't make it team friendly at that point like right we're, we're, like you just you're gotta spending, spread it out <laughs> yeah you're spending a ton of cash on a yeah. yearly basis for, right. regardless of what you do and it's going to require even if it's a low a quote unquote low guaranteed upfront amount of like a hundred and something million dollars that's still a ton of money for the bengal standards and that's that's going to impact what they can and can't do going forward. So I, I don't have like a, a projection off the top of my head. I feel like that's yeah. more of Andre Prada's uh, yeah. arena there, but yeah, all I can say, like he's <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. All I can say is he'll, he'll get North of 50 million per year. And if he yeah. doesn't, then he's got the worst agent in the world.
0: <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So the wrap this thing up here, you've been on for almost 47 minutes. I appreciate you, John. Um, we are finally getting our second hall of famer in Ken Riley, the rattler. I'm so happy this is happening. I got his uh, son, Ken Riley, second. He's going to be joining me on Monday. What does this mean for future Bengals getting in? Like Willie Anderson, Ken Anderson, uh, maybe Corey Dillon, uh, other guys. You know, I, like I like I said, I think Lamar Perry should be getting in, but I don't think he's – I think that ship's sailed. But what does this mean in general for future Bengals to get into it? and just your thoughts on Ken Riley in general?
1: It's – I, I'm I'm very much mind-melding with Paul Dinger Jr. here. It, it's a mixed bag of, like, relief, but also anger because yeah. it, it took him essentially passing away and not being mentioned in the post-memoriam for the Hall of Fame to even take notice of Ken Riley. It, it's great that they have this this temporary, I think, new rule of, like, in, increased amount of senior finalists that can get in, and it was good that he was able to do that during this time period. I, I think, obviously, the Ring of Honor helps as well. Like, it, it's gotten Willie Anderson on the map. It obviously got... Uh, Ken and Riley on the map it should do or it should help get Ken Anderson on the map too like I feel like I one of the Andersons is going to be the next guy in and I feel like right. because Willie's been a finalist as a modern finalist for the last two years he's probably getting in maybe as soon as next year just because there's not a lot of there's no Joe Thomas next year's class right so that there's a there's a spot for like the uh, the committee to say hey we need an offensive lineman Willie Anderson's been a finalist two years or let, let, let's get him in so the more the merrier obviously and it's great that you know the Bengals are more of a prominent brand in a franchise now because of the recent success and because you know the franchise is taking these extra steps and putting their name out there. But like, I, I would hope that the next Bengal that gets in doesn't have to wait until he's six feet under, right, for, for right. this to happen. So I, I hope that that's something that you know has woken up the the elderly who vote for these people. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, John, it's ridiculous. The Baltimore Ravens, who started in 1996, have more Hall of Famers than the Cincinnati Bengals do. That's ridiculous, right there. And one thing, one that I thought Willie was going to get in this year, to be honest, so I, I was ticked off about that. It take me out that Joe Thomas gets in. And to me, the only reason Joe Thomas gets in because he's on TV. You can't tell me Joe Thomas had a more successful career than Willie Anderson. Willie actually went to the playoffs. Joe Thomas never went to the freaking playoffs. Why the hell did he get in? Why was it all oh, Joe Thomas is going? Go to I mean, I've never done a deep dive in Joe Thomas's uh, stats, and I'm not saying Joe Thomas doesn't deserve it. Will it really need to be in before Joe Thomas did? I, in my opinion, what? What? What's your thoughts?
1: I mean, he played the more prominent position at left tackle. Like, if if like, all right, if Joe Thomas was the right tackle for the Cleveland Browns, would be your first ballot? I don't. I don't know. Probably not. Right. But I'm not going to deny. Joe Thomas was the best left tackle of his time. Like he, he had 10 11 years of being literally yeah, the, but best, like the, the best like the standard. I mean I, and,
0: I know and, time. And right I, I know I know but it's I I
1: understand there. that but like like there, there's still the there's still the stigma of right versus left tackle and that's unfortunately what hindered Willie but also like and I think like the like the the stigma of the Bengals has definitely hurt Willie and other candidates but if you want to talk about a worse stigma definitely the Browns like if there's a if there's a bigger national laughing yeah. stock than the Bengals, it's the Browns, and I feel like it's almost worked in favor of Joe Thomas. The, the, despite being with the Browns for his entire career, he was still a multi, like a eight or nine or wh- however many time All Pro for right. being on a team that was a consistent loser to, to be that individually great for so long on that terrible of a team. It almost I think kind of helped him in that point. Obviously, being in the national media uh, doesn't hurt either, but I mean just. Just following Joe Thomas's career, I, I never had a doubt that he was going to be all of Famer soon yeah. after he retired.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm not saying he shouldn't be in at all. I'm just it just irritates me that the reason Bengals don't get in that we heard because we didn't win. We're not we weren't a quote unquote winning franchise. Yeah, and then Joe Thomas goes in who they didn't win crap. <laughs> they were worse than us, you know. Which I mean, we during his, Joe Thomas's yeah. is, is, is career we went to the uh, playoffs multiple times and he never went. So I just. That's supposed to be a factor in all this stuff. And you know, and I understand. Joe Thomas is a great left tackle. I don't think he – I'm not saying he shouldn't be in. It just irritated me that he got in before Willie. Because Willie, in my opinion, should have already been in. It's just like I'm tired of this narrative and where we have these Bengals players that should have already – Kenny should have already been in. I, like, like I said, I think Lamar Parrish should have already been in. Because if you look at the, the DBs in the 70s, Ken Ryan and Lamar Parrish are two of the best. You know? So anyway, it's just – I'll, I'll go down a whole rabbit rabbit hole. We keep going; <laughs> it just gets really irritating. Anyway, John, you've been on for fifty two minutes. I appreciate you. Uh, tell everybody about any articles you got out on, on uh, since Jungle Orange Bike Insider podcast or whatever, or the puppets. You know, number one podcast. Whatever you want to plug.
1: <laughs> yeah, we um, got some content coming down here within the next week. Tr- going to try to put some of this T Higgins stuff to bed with an article. Um p- we post a video on that whole subject on the uh, Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast YouTube channel, so check that out and obviously all the content with the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network, just not just our channel, but uh Coach Speak with with Matt Minnick and the Bengal jim's show as well. So check us all out at cincyjungle.com.
0: Awesome. John, I appreciate you, man. I will uh see you hopefully sometime at the, in the jungle, you know. You, you're going to go to games this year? Yeah. Any plans? Yep.
1: Oh, I mean I was I, I was at the playoff game against the Ravens and you know as, as long you. as I keep getting invited back to the playoffs, I might as well go.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I would too. I i have to see you sometime we'll have to hang out. You gotta get a- AC, A C Gotta get the godfather back, back back in town sometime soon.
1: Yeah, he was trying his best to, to come out here, but unfortunately the cards just weren't in his in his favor. But I'm just, I'm thinking that's gonna change this year.
0: Yeah, I was I was giving him a crap like, dude, come on, you gotta come. I like, you know, I'm trying. So anyway. John, I appreciate you, brother. You have a great weekend. day. Thank you. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Go follow John, the brain, she- Sheeran, and the godfather, Anthony Casenza They're on the Orange and Black Insider Podcast. They guys are always awesome. They always come on my show whenever I ask. So I always appreciate them. Like I said, John is full, of all kinds of cool information. So hopefully the Bengals, like I said, I really do think the Bengals are going to sign a right tackle. I just, that's my feeling. If they cut Lyle, they keep them I don't know. I've kind of gone back and forth of keeping them, cutting them. If you keep them, then you got a backup, you know. Or or if the guy you sign, Illumina, which it's Jerome, I can't say his name, Illumina, whatever. <laughs> if they sign him and he doesn't play that great, Lel pushes them. Competition isn't bad. So anyway, we'll see what happens. But they, to my opinion, they have got to do something in free agency with that right, right tackle, just because Lel is not going to be ready by the beginning of the season. Just my thoughts. And I would love to sign. Larry Ogunjobi again, or somebody like that, to to free up B.J. Hill, you know, in the pass rush. To me, that's more of where we need to address the defense of pass rush. Is we still got to replace Larry O from last year, or the year before that? Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that. Let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And as always, I appreciate every single one of them. They're Houdé Nation, Hude Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Radical Reds, The Ohio State Bucknuts, The Ice Bar. And then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trollable. TikTok is at Iceman90. Like I said, I did change the name of the show. I changed the name of my Twitter. I haven't changed the name of Facebook yet or any of other things. I'm going with Bengals Talk with Strawberry Ice. Um, because like I said 99.9% of the time I'm talking Bengals on here. Um, we can talk Bearcats red still. Uh, but it's just, I think it's more of what the show is mostly about is Bengals. So that's the reason I need change the name of the show. If you guys like it, anyway, I'll be pulling a sound off later on tonight, putting on the podcast. It's on bean pod, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google stitcher play pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Leave a, a quote and a, and a comment and leave me a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Try to listen to it as much as you can. Tell people about it because I'm getting a ton of views on my YouTube channel, which I love. I'm just trying to get some more listens on the podcast. Um, So if you could do that, I would appreciate it. YouTubers, like I said, you guys are awesome. We're at 2,119 subscribers, which is unbelievable. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors about sports. Excuse me. Bengals talk with <laughs> strawberry ice. Um Try to get that up to 3,000 as fast as we can. Like I said, Monday is going to be a great show. I got Ken Riley the second on. I will be coming at you uh, tomorrow. We got Mark Walters, uh, Mr. Third Down. If you guys don't know who he is, where you have been at, he is the crazy man that sister and does this like the whole game. And the Bengals, third, oh, we'll zoom in on him and third down and everything. And he's a, a great guy, great Bengals fan. So we will be coming at you tomorrow night at six. Uh, we got Belly Up to the Bar at seven. I know, or excuse me, at eight thirty. At seven o'clock, Bengals and Brews. They've got uh, a guy from PFF. I can't remember his name right now. Go check that out. So, if you're watching right now, it is almost six thirty. If you haven't got anything to eat, go get something to eat, get some beer, come back home, sit down, watch Bengals and Brews, and watch Belly Up to the Bar. We got you covered for the rest of the evening. Other than that. Got to get the clip here. There it is. Other than that, you guys have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. That's your sports, baby. See ya!